Pirates. Pronounced Pirates. This was the secret spot in 2010 that Joe took Father John, the beard, Rasta. Groovy and I as part of our Zori excursion. It is still very secret, albeit now with a giant pirate flag prominently anchored on top of the rock mountain at takeoff. Blowfish's instincts were spot on. Sketchy for sure, but it is a point break, and point break waves are roughly 60% easier to catch than their peaky counterparts. 50% for knowing which way it's going, and 10% for not having to stress about it. In 2010, Pirates or Pirates was the first spot that I started to be able to catch the clean part of the wave. Point breaks just work for Leche, but there's a lot of water swirling around those rocks, so you better be paying attention. Two things worth noting about this excursion to Pirates. El Jefe charged, and I got worked. El Jefe really did ride a few good ones out there and really squeezed the full length out of each one. Too bad the place has too much potential for disaster, but El Jefe got after it anyway and can now call it his own. He rode an advanced, sketchy wave and left with a smile. Super cool. My wave in question happened like this. I attempted a shaky leg and fell off on... Uh, take off on the second to last wave of the set and ended up in the in the fun zone as blowfish puts it nothing new really but i can tell you i wouldn't be sitting here if i wasn't bald you know floating in the lowering trough with the last and largest wave of the set approaching albeit not that fast and pretty clean but maybe eight feet which probably really means six or five <laughs> i instinctively took a huge breath placed my hand essentially over my face to get my fingers onto my sun hat so as not to lose it as I dove down deep. Thank goodness, because I immediately smashed my face, actually the back of my hand, onto the submerged boulder. The ensuing wave sent me ass over tea kettle and over the falls where my left thigh, just above the kneecap, got donkey punched by another submerged outcropping. At this point, I'd been underwater for a pretty long time, but uh, somehow wasn't that worried. The toe bleeds don't really count either, uh, as they just happened. And happened again from the near survival mode frog kicking. Luckily, there came a lull, and I was able to make it back out into the lineup. I don't think I rode any more waves there. It was kind of more like going to the wrong corner after getting knocked down by Tyson. <laughs> I was, uh, was definitely in a daze. Uh, a wobbly need, Leon Spinks, <laughs> pretending to have more in him. I just remember leaving the lineup and simply paddling back to the boat. You know, um, somehow I'd, I'd given myself another shot at the title and ended up tying my shoelaces together. We eased back south, fishing lines deployed, and were led off the boat at Witch's Rock Surf Camp. This was late morning, and the waves were so beautiful. Crystal clear water, perfect temperature without a cloud in the sky. No crowd either. Most of the waves were around four feet and so easy to catch. Felt like you were getting away with something. 
then like Poseidon himself, Wingnut slips into the lineup. I'm 20 feet away from freaking Wingnut. Joe said that guy knows where to be and how to pick him. And sure enough, after I somehow <clears throat> got caught on the inside, saw him centered at the peak of an eight-footer, slipped down, looking at me, looked back at him through the keyhole of a three-second barrel. He fell at the end where it closed down on him, but hooted with real excitement. In an effort to place myself on the same level and befriend my new surfing buddy, Wingnut, I offered a nice wave comment in which he said, almost. It was really special. And uh, even though my plans of vacationing together and becoming lifelong pen pals never came to fruition, uh, it was still pretty nice. Retiring to lunch at Joe's, I, I was welcomed by our and waitress who enjoyed pressing the cuts on the back of my wounded hand for a giggle. She must have seen my kind before. Our trip started off with a bit of apprehension trying to hang on to peace of mind while struggling with the yoke of responsibility and consumed with the self-inflicted priorities of competing with time. I'm feeling a bit jaded. Have I lost my sense of wonderment? You know, been there before, done that. Eh, I'll make the best of it. All while working my very best peer pressure to recruit a larger crew, but to no avail. We all have so much going on. Maybe it was my catastrophic mindset of always expecting uneasy circumstances. But attendance was down, and second-guessing the locale, the concern of this being a throwaway trip did cross my mind. After all, Tamarindo had grown up, and we had seen it the way it used to be. Picture an international phone on a post in a dimly lit corner of a sleepy bar after a stony drive from the open-air barn Aeroporto. I was there just last year, and while it was awesome, it had changed. Starting with the rattle-trap diesel being replaced by a, with a more modern version to handle the smoother roads coming out of the brand-new air-conditioned airport. It's more crowded and less convenient to eat and drink affordably. And that river mouth can be fickle. Have we become settlers? But after the airport hugs and the back slaps, we settled in and enjoyed the ride. Upon arrival at Witch's Rock Surf Camp, Shlomo and I opened the door to find two near-naked ladies wearing barely more than a smile and a giggle in the loft bed of our penthouse room. They made little attempt to explain their way out of it. The mojitos on their breath likely influenced their experimental curiosity and their nonchalance. Must have been a sign of good things coming because we got it good all week, starting with the head-clearing waves that afternoon, an informal class with Robert August, finishing with dinner, drinks, and cards that night. Our first full day 
Ricardo acted as captain and took Blowfish, Shlomo, and I via Panga to Avianes for a near-perfect beach break session. We traded waves until we were full, and that night we enjoyed a long river mouth session with the rest of the crew. But Saturday found Blowfish, Shlomo, and I at Playa Grande, where Shlomo dominated the playground. We had followed our surf instructor Ricardo, Johan's inherited little brother, for a short walk from the graveled parking lot through the woods, where we were blessed with surfer mag cover crystalline perfection. No shit, an instant snapshot memory. The waves were as perfectly beautiful as you could possibly imagine, but scary looking nonetheless. <clears throat> While clean, the waves were just too big and, and too hollow for Blowfish and I. They were really racking up out there with near victory at sea conditions. So with a tablespoon of humility, Blowfish and I eased down the beach to surf the shoulders and had a big time. But Shlomo, Shlomo got in the pit and stayed there for several hours. Content, Blowfish and I retired to the beach, got absolutely roasted, grabbed a quick taco with beer and enjoyed a street festival put on by the local Escuela. It seemed like hours later, Shlomo emerged delightfully satiated, not even knowing that a child had just been rescued from the grips of Grande's rip. So Saturday night is rodeo night. Oh my gosh, the food. After replenishing my fighting weight from Tunko's gut-wrenching grip, plus 10, I'd been on a mission to think light like Rasta. Not sure how he does it. Eating lightly for a week prior and pretending the sushi was enough, I found myself done after only one-hour-long sessions. Tonight, though, was for eating. Chicken on a stick, chicken with rice, pork something or other. Churros. Churros with something creamy inside? Oh, brother, I felt whole again. Lieutenant Dan, El Jefe, Blowfish Eye, had been there before and in the ring. This is another place where your weaknesses are exposed and you face your fears. Or at least face a starving, pissed off, 1,500-pound agile monster. But tonight was Shlomo's turn. He had something to do. Didn't matter that no one was convinced to join him in the ring. He was ready and focused like a man weighing his chances at the last moment before a bet. The majority of the crew inside the bull ring is filled with young Hispanic bucks donning soccer gear, fully prepared for battle. Their chief prophet of that gang, a distinguished Hispanic elder, dressed in a full white suit of Levi's and just a hint of bedazzlement, proved his ranking by dancing some sort of Mississippi half-step, one hand in the solemnly swear position, the other high on his tight, taut, pregnant-like belly. His face was chiseled, but he was smooth as butter. Until game time, then I, I really didn't see him. The Bulls had been through this so many times that it was almost a letdown. They'd come out, the riders would ride them for the prescribed time, 
and they would pretty much let themselves back into their stalls. But make no mistake, the potential for danger is real. At one point, after trampling a resting dingo, bull number nine throws Tico, which renders him unconscious. The three vaqueros waddle him halfway across the ring until said bull does an about face, forcing them to drop the half-dead Tico for another trampling. <laughs> this is when Sean charged out of nowhere in full sprint and actually slapped Diablo on the ass. He then effortlessly slid to safety under the split-railed fence. It was like he was in shlomo. Leaving the rodeo, our reliable driver and his good lady squeezed their ride through the crush of people. At one point, the van was surrounded by odd shapes of totem pole headdresses worn by the parade goers. Surreal. The next morning, up at first light, Shlo and I prepare for our Witch's Ollie's experience. I'm an in-between stage of venturing traveler, most comfortable with staying close to home, but learning to leave camp in search of something better. I put the hard sell on my fellow old dudes who passed on the journey and happily quarantined themselves at Witch's Rock. As we were the only takers, Sean and I each picked a bench seat in the giant passenger van and squeezed out one more hour of sleep on the way to the outskirts of Playa del Coco, where we were awakened to some kind of muffin of sort. I had remembered Coco is dirty, and I suppose it is, but not in the Tunco sort of way. It's more polished and has more character. The black sand beach being anchored by a few outdoor eateries, mom and pop shops, and transient food carts. Moored with a dozen or so sailboats framing a pretty sweet bay, one can see why the mega resort is soon to follow. The water and air were perfectly clean and clear as we load the extra large panga with just Sean and I. We're told that no one has left yet with surfboards this morning. Hmm, maybe we could get this to ourselves for just a little while. The morning sun was perfect as we eased between the sailboats and the safety of the harbor. I'd almost forgotten about the pounding because it never happened with the near lake-like conditions. The ride out had just the right amount of rise and fall to get you in the mood. Ollie's point, an old friend, Oh, and look, no one's around. Our veteran Tico, Captain Wilbur, slipped us in close. Hard to imagine better conditions. Crystalline water, perfect temperature with no one around, and the most predictable, almost mechanical-like, four to six foot glassy waves coming in as frequently as we needed them to. You could feel the freedom settling in as we rid ourselves of the tensions with each wave. It came pretty quickly for me that day. The size of my board wasn't fooling anybody but me. I was having so much fun. I knew that wave and that it was of a non-threatening sort. Plus, there's the lure of the challenge, revisiting old haunts, back to school again, being easier the second time around. Most of the morning had Sean hugging the rocks on takeoff. A much trickier endeavor than hanging 20 yards or so my way closer to the shoulder. Eventually it happened. Stuck in the fun zone again. Shlomo plowed over me on takeoff. 
the onslaught needed to happen. After all, I'd been wearing them like a suit, especially those times I thought I'd go left. Thankfully, no one got hurt, but Sean broke one of his fins, and the GoPro was nowhere to be found. No huge deal in and of itself. I'd been GoProing the shit out of myself all week. Each night I would review, and the angle would be too high, where you'd just see my head and shoulders with no waves flailing around, or it'd be the exact opposite. Mediocre footwork with no one to attach it to. But what a thrill it was. Sean found that thing some 50 yards or so down the beach after nearly giving up. After the GoPro search and rescue, I kept surfing as Sean went to the boat regroup. Not typically one to outlast anyone in the lineup. I felt nourished and restored. Felt a freakish stamina, so I stayed out. Turns out Sean went to the boat to meditate and returned 20 minutes later a new man. An immediate reminder of the calming effects of the mind. He was at once so strong and smooth. A different surfer than an hour before. Oh yeah, and with only two fins. Who needs the outer fin anyway? Once again, it was like he was in shlomo. We surfed and we surfed. I personally have never surfed that long in one session. Maybe it was the fact that it was still just us in the water. Apparently the locals sleep in after rodeo night. Or that the perfect waves were just so consistent. Lulls between sets were almost welcome. Maybe my tank was still full from last night's rodeo food orgy. One thing is for sure, as Captain Wilbur perched his boat near the shore, we were posing for his camera, dropping knees and everything. The waves writhed across that canvas for about five hours until high tide rolled in. We were spent and all was good. As if transported back in history, we celebrated Costa Rica's crown jewel and the natural wonders of her park, endured her primal forces and left with big knowing grins. Once again, the huge panga allowed each of us a bench to lay flat-backed, staring up, naming the clouds for our peaceful, rolling respite as we slid back into Coco's serene bay without awakening the giant. I'm a starstruck fan for sure. So I didn't get too much information out of Robert August and Wingnut. I'd like to refer to them now as Bobby and Wing Sauce, but we all know it didn't go down like that. It was interesting, though, hearing Robert speak proudly of his adopted daughter or the buildings and libraries he had helped raise through his community efforts. It felt like inside info hearing the exploits of the plane crash in Endless Summer too. Turns out the pilot was showing off and dropped the thing right out in front of Joe's at the river mouth. The plane sat for months as parts weren't readily available. The wisdom of Robert August was the best part, though, as he shared his take on surfing in paradise. Beautiful weather, waves, setting, and hanging with friends. Oh, hey, if you catch a wave, even better. If you catch a whole bunch of waves, then it's just an over-the-top gift of pure joy. And speaking of Moroccan Joe, he just got back from a surfing trip in Egypt. Yeah, surfboards on camels and everything. His hair was perfect. If you surf, you are my friend. The penthouse served Shlomo and I well, 
as we had the rooftop to ourselves for our nightcaps. We rediscovered we had even more in common swapping our sea stories. We philosophized on meditation, yoga, women. We discussed the senselessness of devolving into a life of screens, staring into the void. Gaining more knowledge while studying crazy life hacks, yet becoming less interesting. The price of being on call, I suppose. Shlomo's white noise app was a welcome addition to help drown out these noises of life and the thumping dance music from Joe's new restaurant at the south side of the camp. Shlomo enjoyed his last morning surf, packed up, and headed for the airport. Along with my passport! You know that poorly lit safe under the stairs? Yup, it was gone. Oh shit, what now? Everyone was calm, but man, I was whining like a bitch with the possible options ahead. Lieutenant Dan was so helpful and quick with formulating some of those options, but, but I was still bumming. Maybe Sean could FedEx it when he lands? Still doesn't get it down here to Costa Rica until Friday at best. Paradise, yes, but I'll be stuck down here all alone, and Joe is out of rooms. It's late morning Monday, and I might have to rent a car and drive to San Jose tonight so I can be at the U.S. Consulate when they open for just four hours on Tuesday and try to negotiate a temporary passport? Oh man, felt like a bit like the seven stages of death, you know, where you ultimately end up with acceptance because what else can you really do? Well, I'll tell you what we did. We walked down to Coco Drio for another one of those awesome French pastries. These things don't look like much, but they just couldn't be any better. And on the way back, roaming through the woods in a sugar-crazed munchy monkey search, we stumbled along a new hostel in town. This place would make you rethink hostels. Pretty darn nice, but man, it was hot. And time to head back to Witch's Rock Surf Camp to Chilly Chill. One thing is for sure, you can tell we were further south than El Salvador, as the afternoon swelter was exhausting made the rookie mistake of walking in the center of the hot black sand beach on the way back. Should have paid attention to those two dogs that were each digging a trench to cool themselves in the sand under a shade tree at the outer edge of the molten hot lava. I went ahead and purchased that cool new pair of board shorts for the evening sesh. Lieutenant Dan was the best in the water that night though. He always seems to have the most fun, and he has the bum knee, hence the name Lieutenant Dan. Go ahead, weaken your jaw just a little and say it aloud. Lieutenant Dan. Even with his trick knee, though, he surfed and he surfed. I know he was in pain, but I saw him glide by on more than one occasion. Very inspiring. He hung on like Sloopy, but my new board trunks turned out to be walking shorts and literally split all the way up the back, my whole ass hanging out. Didn't even notice till I took them off in my room. Got the call from Sean. He found my passport. As luck would have it, he pulled mine, not his, out of his backpack at the airport. After a verbal commitment and a triple promise from the lady supervisor at the airport, 
He gave it to her for me to pick up in two days on Wednesday. The best possible scenario. Can you imagine, though, convincing a foreign customs agent to hold a passport for a friend to pick up in two days? With this hugely uplifting news, we walked to town, and it's a great town for drinks, dinner, and more cards. We are all searching for our own epic surfing photo. Heck, I pretty much use mine as a calling card. So the next morning, when an early 20-something Tico approached El Jefe on the beach with a legendary photo of him on a clean wave, he was quick to cough up 20 bucks. Not sure why he got so pissed, though, when the guy went AWOL. El Jefe's been marked for petty theft since our first trip. He'll donate a pair of slides with each trip, either through light fingers or the occasional high tide. Years ago, his whole day pack, cash, eyeglasses, HD camera, was lifted on a Marbella excursion under the watchful yet sleepy eye of their driver. Regardless, he yelped the shit out of that young Tico. We too did our part as ugly Americans. After removing our ankle-high white footies, we would attempt to appropriate the local culture. The Ticos would patiently listen to us struggle out even the most basic monosyllabic Spanish words, only to answer in English. Still, our impatience would increase with each meal while we would wait for our drinks and formulate new Americanized service standards to implement. Why does it take so long for our check? They would sell so much more if they did just this or that. Where's the manager? Etc. That first epic picture of El Jefe and I on the beach in Tamarindo circa 2006 marks a defining moment. Our trips are like these continuing education classes and there we were starting our journey with dreams to remember. Kooks of the first order. The aforementioned sandals, sunglasses, swimming trunks, and a water bottle all in tow. It's important to stay hydrated. Heading out at exactly the wrong time of day with not a wave to be found. Chubby girl and yacht with the airy whisper of a party land aside. We simply had no idea of the psychological freedom and good friends we would find on our first full decade of surfing. The serene glide of buoyancy would lead us down some interesting roads, whether on a surfboard, a carboard, skateboard, indo board, or wake surfboard. And with youthful perfection goal, our surfing lives now set the standards for how we were supposed to feel, which makes a lot of sense if you don't think about it. Basically, we went for the party and fell in love with the music. For the next decade, though, the old dude surf club will just need to remember not to let their memories be larger than their dreams. The Liberian Aeropuerto couldn't have been more packed, and the lady supervisor from Monday has the day off. The guy I spoke with said he would check into it, and I'm not sure the agent could have walked any slower, but he eventually disappeared into a sea of people. The old dudes all gave me high fives while telling me it would all work out and felt it best to head through the security checkpoint. Still huge doubts whether I'd make it through to reunite you with my comrades. Standing there alone, it seemed like forever for the expeditious agent to return with passport in hand. We had a moment. Oh shit. 
20 minutes to board and the line to pay the tax when you leave the country is four people wide and 200 yards long? There's simply no way. After all this, I'm still not going to make it. Half whimpering at the very back of the soup kitchen line, I learned from another airport attendant that the tax was already covered in the fare of my American Express paid Delta ticket. With this news, I was then able to breeze on through security and onto the gate. Mission accomplished. Wow, what a range of emotions. And speaking of security, Lieutenant Dan was able to talk himself out of a near gang tackling by the airport federales for attempted megalodon tooth smuggling. So smooth in the pit, Lieutenant Dan still enjoys his toothy necklace to this day. I imagine the locals now refer to him as Megalodon. Ah, back to life and back to Atlanta, where we were forced to lay low in the McDonald's drive-thru as a five-shot shootout took place just a hundred yards away. Here we had gotten rid of the violence and added the peace, only to add it back again with five minutes of being on home soil. Just four months later, after my ego death and personality reintegration, the existential effects of our Costa Rican adventure have worn off. Feeling jowly, along with wispy eyebrows and a fluffy belly, I'm reflecting on our adventure. So my board was big, possibly too big. I stood tall with my big girl, proud not to let ego get in the way, and I rode her, oh, how I rode her. And yeah, technology happened on land. There was more of this and more of that. There were more people but it didn't seem to translate to the water. Maybe it was just the opposite. Or maybe we caught it on a good week. The right place at the right time, without all of that refried confusion. One thing is for sure, we nourished ourselves on the low-hanging fruit, and it was all low-hanging fruit. Cards aside, we were handed a few aces and gifted with those waves for a reason. Now, ready to take on the bullish attacks from all our arenas and slap them on the ass and keep gliding. If it takes another 10 years for our next gifts, then so be it. These aren't really vision quests, or are they? Certainly seeing things more clearly. And after all, we know the answers must come from within. So here I am meditating until our next surf. El Lechero. All right, hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, this has been brought to you by Play It Again Sports in Kennesaw. And if you like the Play More podcast, just please do us a favor. Uh, subscribe. Uh, you can rate and review it. Share it with anyone you think might like it. Uh, and don't forget, you can always email the show at surferj1 at gmail.com. That's S-U-R-F-E-R-J-A-Y, the number one at gmail.com and I'll reply also you can check us out on Instagram at PIA Sports Kennesaw uh, so 
So go take care of yourself and be strong, safe, less vulnerable, and be able to do the things you want to do. And play more.